0: Welcome to this Niche Audiocast. My name is Will Patch. I'm the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader here at Niche. Today you're going to hear a webinar that's been converted to a podcast so you can listen on the go. You can find all the resources that are mentioned as well as the original recording on the Enrollment Insights blog which you can find at niche.bz slash insights. Enjoy! Uh, before you know it's hard to believe I've been here at Niche for three years now uh, and before that I spent uh, nine years at Manchester University, uh, my alma mater, uh, originally working now as, as an admissions counselor, taking over admissions operations, then ultimately digital strategy. So all of the website optimization, student search, digital marketing, all that that sort of work together. But before that, uh, before college and everything, uh, I actually grew up in rural Indiana here uh, in a very small farming community, uh, originally on a, on a goat farm. So I started thinking about how, how to kind of frame student search and the inquiry process and, and how do you get ultimately to, to bring in your class? And one of the things that, that dawned on me is how much it was like farming. Uh, and so I, I'm framing everything here today and I hope it makes it a little more fun. Uh, this entire process of finding inquiries, nurturing them, helping them enroll, I'm framing it all in terms of farming. Uh, So hopefully uh, that's something that that really connects with some of you, or at least it's pretty fun for everyone else. Um, Just a shared definition to get us started, though. When I say inquiry, I am talking about the students, the parents uh, who are literally asking for more information. I know people have different terminology of suspect, prospect, inquiry. When I say inquiry, I mean basically the people who show up and say, I want more information. You know, they can come in from your forms on your website. They can come in from partners. From emails, from walk-ins, you know, when people just show up and start asking questions, Uh, they could be your converted prospects. So the people who start out as prospects, they get more interested, they ask for more information, you have those conversations, Uh, or even your stealth applicants. You know, those are going to be your highest value inquiries. So just thinking about how we're framing inquiries there. You know, the steps here to bring in your class are the same as they are to bring in a crop. You have to start off by growing, you're nurturing, and then ultimately you're yielding. You know, if you're, if you're having issues along the way, it's going to ultimately affect your yield. And in fact, these sound and should sound a lot like a marketing or sales flywheel. You know, these students that you yield ultimately will help feed back into growing future classes. So at the growth straight, at the growth stage, that's your attraction. You're bringing people to you then you nurture them along as you're engaging them and ultimately that delight that last stage of the flywheel that's your yield stage right that's where you're bringing them in they're making that commitment and ultimately those excited students who have come to campus will help advocate for you and help feedback into the next cycles so we're going to break these down and, and dive deeper into each of these at the growth stage you cannot expect a single source to fill your class you know, it's just it's, it's very important that you diversify and then ultimately measure the impact. And I think that's that's the key phrase to me. You have to measure the impact of every source. So think about all of your current sources. You know, think about every place that students can inquire and come into you. Uh, you know, where are your untapped fields? Where are you missing out? You know, do you, are you going really heavy on on buying names? But then you see, well, we don't have a lot of inquiry forms easily accessible on our site huge missed opportunity there. So when you're doing this, you need to diversify your planting. You know, you don't want these annual fluctuations of one site up, one source down, you know, you don't want to decimate your yield. You know, again, that's why it's so important. You don't go all eggs in one basket, diversify, diversify. So when you're planting your seeds here, every form on your site, you have to think of as an inquiry form. So whether that's straight up your request for information forms, your visit forms are really inquiry forms, right? Your application. And that's why it's important to differentiate or at least capture what page each of these inquiries came from. Uh, So that way you can respond to that exact inquiry. That way your your autoresponder, your comm flows should be different for every single source here. You know, an application, if you get a stealth applicant, that's really just a high intent inquiry. Right? So your stealth apps need to be treated as such and nurtured because there's things that you've been telling your prospects and your inquiries who came into you as sophomores, juniors, freshmen, even, uh, you know, they're going to know more and they've had different experiences that that stealth applicant is going to be missing out on. So don't forget that these are just a form of inquiry. You need to be sure to nurture those stealth apps. Don't just stick them straight into your normal applicant flow because there's things that they don't know yet. Uh, When you're traveling out to high schools, college fairs, community colleges, any off-campus events, these are all just your traditional ways of meeting students and families where they are and generating inquiries. So how do you respond to them? You know, it needs to be a differentiated conflow there because you've already had a two-way conversation. Uh, Your partnerships with Niche and other platforms where students can opt in and request to be contacted, request to hear from colleges. These are a great way to find where students are. And then ultimately, Find the colleges that fit them that they might not have heard of before. Uh, think about your marketing campaigns. All your marketing campaigns should have a CTA, a call to action, that drives back to something on your site. Whether that's a, a, just a, a video, whether it's a regular inquiry form, whether it's a specific campaign for a major or program, these landing pages should all have custom comm flows assigned to them because you can respond to exactly what triggered that student's interest. If they react to a campaign that's all about your esports, you know, your first communication with them shouldn't just be, we have a lot of clubs and activities. Well, they told you they're interested in your esports. Respond about that. Uh, your remarketing is another great way to convert students uh, and, and even convert your prospects who just come to your websites, come to your landing pages, and go away without taking an action. You know, they have that name recognition. So a remarketing campaign can help re engage them, bring them back. Uh, we see a lot of success with this on on niche profiles where students come, they do the research, they're visiting the pages, and then we can stay top of mind uh, and remind them that here's why you were interested in that school. Let's come back and talk more about it. Uh, an untapped source are your advocates and influencers. You know, when I say influencers, don't don't get this idea of well, it's just the models on on Instagram and TikTok. No, you're anyone who is able to speak for you and expand your reach. They're going to be your advocates. They're going to be your influencers. They can have influence on other people. You know, the great thing there is they can perennially bring new people to you. You know, you don't have to go out and find new people all the time. If you have people advocating for you, the counselors, your alumni, athletes, community members, if they can be out there speaking for you, that just expands your reach. You know, you need to have a plan for sourcing a wide range of individuals as well. You know, you can't just treat everyone the same and expect success, right? So the way that you're attracting a current cycle senior is gonna look and feel different than the way you're attracting a sophomore. That sophomore just needs more information about what the search looks like, what they should prepare for, some basic information about your college, but then going to college in general as well. So you need to think about how do we make those look and feel and sound different than your parent inquiry campaigns, than your counselor engagement campaigns, you know, All of these need to have very different flows. Uh, So think about the forms, the landing pages, and your your responses to those. They all have to be differentiated if you want to maximize your impact. A few key things here to consider for every campaign that you run, and when I say campaign, I don't just mean paid. I mean anything that is out there in the world, attracting students, generating inquiries. It could be travel, uh, it could be a social media campaign, it could be a paid digital ad campaign, could be a traditional ad campaign. You you need to think about who am I targeting? Who do I want this campaign to reach and who do I want to engage with it? How long is this gonna be out in the world? Is this an evergreen campaign that's gonna be running to some degree all the time? Or is this something that we're just gonna run for a few months and then measure the impact? You think about the budget. You know, what are you gonna spend and how are you going to best be able to use that? You have a small budget, you're gonna change how you approach things and where you can advertise, what types of campaigns, what sort of assets you can collect. you, know, you th- need to think about, again, with assets, what assets do you already have that you can use? And then what do you need to collect in terms of stories, copy, visuals, videos? Uh, and then the biggest one that I think gets left out way too often, how are you evaluating the success or the failure of this? You know, you can't just say the number of impressions. You can't just say the number of clicks, right? you need to think about what does success look like? Is it new inquiries? Is it new conversations? Is it applications? Is it visits? You know, what's 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 the way that we'll take a look at the actual data of the outcomes? And that'll help you determine whether this was a success or a failure. Uh, here's a couple tools of the trade, things that you might already be doing. Uh, now, if you have some marketing background, you might know these terms already. Any content that attracts potential students to inquire, apply, or visit, that's gonna be referred to as your inbound marketing. You're attracting people and pulling them back to your site. So this could be your digital ads. This could be your videos. It could be your SEO work, making sure that you show up in search results properly. Uh, your social media efforts to engage and communicate. And social should be a two-way street, right? You should be engaging there, not just shouting information out. Uh, and then your chat bots on the site things that can engage people when you're not there. All these are, are inbound tactics. There's another, another tool here um, that brings people in called lead magnet. Lead, lead magnets are going to be your free opportunities to gather contact information. So think about your net price calculator. If students are coming or parents are coming and filling out your net price calculator, that's a great way because you know exactly something that matters to them. You can respond right away with affordability, with scholarships, with financial aid information, because they've told you by filling this out, what matters to them. And then you have that conversation, then you learn more, start talking about their major interests, their extracurriculars, about who you are and why you're great. But they've said, here's something that's very important to me. Uh, It could be guides to the college search for parents, counselors, early stage students. Uh, Events, of course, are really just lead magnets, right? They sign up to come to campus, take part in this valuable experience, and then ultimately you're able to follow up with them. And then swag boxes is something we've had some success with. Uh, It was probably, geez, seven, eight years ago now, uh, I I had a, a counselor I was working with who had this great idea to start using some swag boxes for students to help keep them engaged. It was a great way to get students engaged, get students excited. But what if you're a market garden? and you're not a commercial farm, so you're more of a small scale, you're not a household name. How do you make sure that people know who you are and, and how does it matter? Well, in the spring, we surveyed the class of 2023 to learn more about their search process and 69% of them said that the college's brand does matter and only 11% said that it does not matter at all. So that, some people might look at that and, and say, well, that's a problem that we're not a household name. The good news here is that by running campaigns to build that name recognition and awareness, and then focusing on generating inquiries, you're essentially pre-qualifying students who already know who you are. This cold prospecting, using models, there's a reason it fails so often, and it's exactly that, right? On paper, a student might fit the bill of students who are graduating, you know, who who are, are successful at your institution, but if they're not looking for your type of institution, or if they've never heard of you before, that message is going to fall flat because the brand does matter to them. The name recognition does matter. Okay. So, to make your campaigns work and to attract new inquiries and convert these prospects, you need to build that affinity. And I can't say this enough you make them want to learn more. Just telling them to come visit, telling them to apply, they know they can do these things. You need to make sure that they get excited about you and they want. To learn more they want to come visit they want to apply and that's all about building affinity it's all about making them excited about who you are the number one way to earn students attention is to have them have a conversation with someone from your college and that can be but doesn't have to be a counselor at a fair or it could be at their high school Uh, it could also be through text through chatbots through a call and doesn't have to be just your counselors either right it's just someone at your school. It could be faculty, it could be leadership, it could be current students. That's a key one. Make sure you're bringing current students into the fold and advocating for you. They are great resources of their own stories, their own process. Students want to hear from them. So bringing them in to tell your story is so critical. What, there are a few other ways you can do this. When, when we surveyed students, you know, they fell into a few categories. Influencing the influencers here. of students said that their school or college counselor uh, was important in their process. If they recommended a college they'd never heard of before, they would consider that college. 45% said their family, 40% said friends, 6% religious leaders. Now that went up for students who said that they really wanted a religiously affiliated institution. But these are people who can recommend a college they have never heard of, and then they would consider applying to that college. So think about things like counselor events. Having these on-demand content content updates that these influencers can read, see, and learn more about your programs, learn more about your college, your updates, your financial aid, and they can go out and advocate for you. Uh, Think about: Do you have any referral programs for friends? So, if someone, a current student, an alumni, uh, actually refers a student, are you rewarding that? Are you thanking them? Are you acknowledging that? Think about your nurture campaigns for counselors, parents, guardians, others. How are you? building out these comm flows to provide them occasional updates, occasional information, and then rewarding them for helping bring students to you. Uh, There were the third party sources. So 43% of students said rankings would make them consider a college they never heard of before. And 41% said reviews of a college. So while people have mixed feelings on rankings, rankings do matter to parents and students. You know, they're a data point, but they are not the only factor. Uh, You know, that's something that we keep hearing from students and parents over and over again. You know, we've got over 4000 colleges. How do you narrow down your list? Well, this is a data point, at least. Use reviews, use rankings and your materials and your ads, because students say that it does matter. If they've not heard from you before and they see a review from a student who's there and talking about a program that matters to them, that's making them much more likely to consider you. Uh, A free thing you can do as well is claim your niche profile, keep it updated because one in two college bound seniors are using niche. So if you have a free profile on there, you can share your updates, they can see who you are, it just helps them out. Uh, Some of your traditional tactics, you know, 40% said mail from a college they hadn't heard of before, would make them consider 36% email, 28% social media and 9% digital ads. Huge caveat here, I wanna really point out, relevant and meaningful. Mail and email is what's wanted. That's what earns consideration. When you're sending out a postcard that says visit today, apply today, that's not relevant. That's not telling them something out. No, that's not building affinity. Uh, so that's not something that you need to be doing. Instead, spend your resources on your mail, your email, on things that excite them, things that will engage them, things that are relevant to what they care about. Uh, I'm doing secret shopping right now, and you would not believe the amount of mail I get that just tells me to apply today. Students know they can apply. You don't have to tell them. What you have to do is make them want to. Make them excited. Speak to what they told you is important to them. If they say that they're interested in the biology program and they're interested in study abroad and theater, give them information about those programs. Don't just give them general information about the college. Uh, Your social media, again, I just wanna emphasize, it's a dialogue, not a monologue. If your posts sound like someone just standing on a street corner with a megaphone, that's that's just such a missed opportunity, you know. You should be using social listening so you can engage with people who are talking to you. You should be providing relevant information that starts conversations. You know, feature your student voices across all of these, but especially on social media. Uh, and then, while digital ads may not convert people who have never heard of you before, I think this is really a message for why remarketing works so more so well. Remarketing is so valuable of an investment because. It's reaching people who have already heard of you, people who already have that recognition, and all you have to do is re-engage them or continue building affinity. That's a great way to maintain their interest, build more interest without having to constantly find new people. Uh, when we talk about social media uh, for for use here, Instagram is still the only network where the majority of students say they go uh, to research colleges. What? How are they using these? You know, I know TikTok is the shiny new object but only 30% of students said that they go to TikTok to see colleges. You know, that's just because a student is in a place doesn't mean that's where they want to be engaging with colleges or viewing college content. So if you can only invest resources one place, it better be Instagram. You know, that's, that's your key there. That's where more than two-thirds of students say they go to research colleges. Okay, so we've got the growth. We've been pulling students in. We're building our inquiry lists. Now we have to nurture them. Now we have to stay on top of them and, and keep providing what's relevant to them. So your first response, and I cannot emphasize this enough, your first response to their inquiry needs to be an answer to their inquiry. So when, you know, if, I have a little soapbox moment here. Uh, you have to be able to respond to what they said matters to them. So if a student fills out just a general inf- inquiry form on an accounting page or on an English page, you should be responding to that major. That autoresponder should respond to that major where they filled it out. They filled out inquiry form on the basketball page. Give them information about your basketball program. You know, having this generic autoresponder, and again, I'm seeing this so much in my secret shopping right now. When... When I fill out inquiry form on a specific page or really anywhere, the response is so often, we'll be in touch, you can apply today. Well, students know they can apply. If they want to apply, they will have applied. They wouldn't have filled out an inquiry form. They need information. So think about where did the student fill it out and how do we respond with relevant information based on where they filled it out? That has to be number one priority. That's how you have to engage. You need to have fast response. You need to have relevant response. Needs to speak to what they say they care about. So you might map it out something like this. And this is just an example. I don't want everyone just copying and pasting. Uh, all these slides will be available uh, tomorrow on the website as well. So you don't have to worry about zooming in or screenshotting or anything like that. So map it out something like this. An inquiry comes in. Was it something on your site or was it something on a partner site? If it was on your site, think about where was it? If it was on an academic page, your first response should be information about that major or that academic program. Then talk about outcomes. Then maybe you want to talk about affordability. You know, think about what are the key things we want to make sure they know, but you have to prioritize based on where they inquired and what they said mattered to them. You now, if it was a student coming out on your admissions page, just a general one, talk about the process, what they can expect, and then start speaking to you when they filled out the form. Did they tell you what their major was? what extracurriculars they were interested in, you know, start speaking to the things they told you mattered. And you don't have to have this massive inquiry form. An inquiry form should be pretty small and pretty light, but you can follow up then as part of that autoresponder, even with an additional form where they can fill out optional fields. So as long as you can contact them with some relevant information, then you can collect more. You don't need a 30, 40 uh, field inquiry form, you know, have something that can really gather basic information that lets you make it relevant to them, but focus on responding to where they inquired, that's going to tell you so much. Overall, 79% of students said that personalized and relevant outreach influenced their interest in a college. When a college gave them information that was relevant to them and really spoke to them, 79% said so they influenced them. However, Only 16% of students said that they received personalized and relevant information, and 21% said that they thought all colleges look and sound the same. You don't have to have a math degree to see that more students said that everyone is sending the same thing than said that they were receiving relevant information to them. And this is a big thing. Again, with the secret shopping, I'm, I'm seeing this over and over again that you would not believe how many emails if you black out the name of the college, you wouldn't be able to tell who it was. There's nothing that speaks to me as an individual. There's nothing that speaks to who they are either. It's very process focused of apply or visit. So think about taking just a hard look at your emails, at your mail, all of your comflows. flows. How do we make sure that we're speaking to what's relevant to the student? That means highly segmented and how are we providing something that looks and sounds authentic to us and isn't just a general process-based thing. It doesn't matter so much what you want them to do, it matters what they need and want to hear, okay? It cannot be all about what you want them to do. So when you're nurturing and engaging your inquiries, you need to think about three things. What are their needs? What are their preferences? And then what are the threats to their ability to enroll? If you frame everything through these three buckets, it's going to help shape your outreach by making sure that you provide for their needs, you excite them with their preferred content and what's relevant to them in their preferred way. So you can ask them straight up, you know, do you want to be emailed? Would you prefer text? Would you prefer a phone call about key financial things? You know, and then address their concerns before those concerns become barriers. You know, think about if a student tells you they're worried about going far from home or they're worried about the cost, or they're worried about whether they they can succeed without academic support. Address those early. Don't wait, address them early before they become a barrier and that student melts or ultimately just ghosts you. So I think we have to kind of frame things and how do we help them thrive? So you need to think about their needs. So for example, talk about what matters to them. They told you about their majors, their extracurriculars, what they're involved in now, talk about that. Answer their questions. Make sure you're building that two-way relationship. You think about their preferences. You know, excite them with information they said they're excited about being involved with. Play connector on campus through this idea of stickiness. So if a student is connected with your admissions counselor, that's one point of stickiness. But if they're also involved in the arts, maybe connect them with a composer, with a theater director, with the art department. You know, there's a second point there. Think about what major they're interested in. Connect them with some faculty, with some current students. There's some more stickiness. Think about how do you help play connector? You don't have to as an admissions counselor or as a a director of admissions or whatever. You don't have to be that sole person who has to know everything. You have to be able to answer their questions and connect them with others who can help build that affinity. And when we're thinking about threats, you need to address their concerns, the things they tell you they're worried about. We see over and over again that cost is their top concern. So don't shy away from that. If you wait to start talking about cost until after financial aid packages go out, you're already hurting yourself. That needs to be addressed early on, sophomore year, junior year. Start addressing, you know, yes, here's what says we cost. Here's our net price. Here's additional financial aid. Here's how students make it work. Share student stories. They can address it directly. You know, when you have a student who can speak to, yeah, I was worried about affording your college, but Here's how I made it happen. Here's what I did. I was really surprised by the support, but here's what I did early to help make it work. Don't be afraid of having those hard conversations. They can be really uncomfortable. I get that. I had that for so many years, but you have to get over it too. You have to address it. You have to be able to to build that affinity. So thinking about what matters most to students and parents. I said cost, right? Financial aid is always the highest concern. So we always ask a bit more about this in our surveys. Uh, When we asked the class of 2023, 91% of them said they were eliminating a college based on the total cost. Not based on net price, not based on anything else, based on that total published cost, that sticker price. That's up from 75% for the class of 2022, 73% for 2021, which was the first time the majority of every income quintile, so even the wealthiest students are doing this, Uh, Pre-pandemic, it was 51% in 2016, but it had gone all the way up to 56% in 2019. This is a major concern for students, and we cannot keep raising the sticker price every year and expecting students to just say, oh, no, it'll be less. I always use the example. If I go into a, a burger place and it says $3 on the menu for a cheeseburger, I'm making a decision then whether I want to order it or not. I'm not waiting until I go to pay. And this is the same way that students and families are saying they are approaching college now. It's not the same process of apply and maybe we'll wait. You know, they wanna know upfront what it costs. So you cannot keep playing by the same rules. Less than half of students said they would consider a college whose total cost is over 40,000. So if you have a sticker price of 50, 60,000, you're eliminating the majority of students right off the bat before they ever consider you. So we have to think of this as something to address early on. And this isn't an admissions only problem. Financial aid, business office, president's office, the board. This is something that everyone has to address. Other compor- other community factors that are important to students. They want diversity. That is the number one thing they care about right now. They want not just a diverse student body, they want to see diverse faculty and staff. They want students who are active on social issues. You know, arts and cultural, this is something that actually started during the pandemic and we're seeing continue and and even the gap widen a little bit the students are saying that the arts are more important to them than athletics so think about how are we recruiting for the arts for band choir theater you know uh, what are we doing because you look at the number of athletic recruiters that most colleges have and you compare that to the number of arts recruiters and more students say that they want they want to have this this arts experience you know what are you doing in terms of recruitment there do you have specialized recruitment in terms of campus elements physical characteristics scholarship availability number one again getting it financial aid cost safety is a big one not just safety on campus but safety off campus how safe is the community you know food options on campus they want the variety they want the quality of course these are all things that, that you need to think about. Uh, th- this is something that should be addressed in all of your flows through student stories, through your, your print materials, everything can address these factors that students say matter to them. Uh, when we asked parents as well, we asked about what, what matters to them and you'll see very similar factors here uh, in terms of how parents uh, evaluate. So like students, uh, financial aid was number one. So we actually stopped asking about that for them. We asked at other places because that was always number one, 100%. But safety, almost 100% said that safety was important to them. Uh, They want the ranking of the college. They wanna be able to brag to their friends probably is my guess there. Clubs and activities, they care about the alumni network. You know, these are the things that parents really wanna see in the campus. And we asked because we see reviews being so important. We asked how influential other parents were to parents. Well, 41% said that reviews from other parents online were important to them. 40% said parents have currently enrolled students. These are people you can engage them with. You know, if you have a parent council, if you have a parent group that can go out and speak or create videos, great group of people to engage. 31% said that other college searching parents they know. So they're less likely to go to their peers probably because they're in the same boat. So take advantage of your views online and your current parents. Um, that's who will help influence your parents. Okay, as part of the spring survey, uh, we actually took a look at some of the behavioral uh, things in terms of how students are feeling about the college search, how they're approaching things. Uh, and we came up with four different personas in terms of the types of students. So this is something that you can do in terms of how do we address students? Uh, the first one here, the largest group were the optimists. Uh, these were your social butterflies. This was the largest persona. 46% of students fell into this group. Uh, they, they identified themselves by experiencing high levels of excitement and hope uh, in terms of their college search. They're primarily interested in attending college to network and more interested in attending for the social life and are much less likely to say they feel like they have to go to college. They're going because they want to. They want to make the connections. They want to have the experience. Uh, optimists also are, they want to go further from home. You know, they want to attend college uh, further from mom and dad. They've been close to them all this time. Uh, overall, they say they report higher levels of confidence in all aspects of the search. So they're feeling good about things. Um, there were no demographic outliers. So identifying them relies on this behavior and attitude. You know, look for the students who are very excited you know they're they're saying that they're very hopeful they're very excited Uh, we saw the prep students Uh, prep students are 50 50 percent more likely to identify as male and are more likely to be from a household in the wealthiest quintile Uh, they're also more likely to attend a private high school and native students were the least likely to identify as prepped Uh, you know they these students are also more likely to believe that test optional and test blind colleges secretly still want them to receive scores uh, and and submit them. you know that's something that we saw students saying that they were being told they still had to even if it was test optional test blind or that just that they didn't believe it. Uh, so if you are one of the what two-thirds of colleges now they're test optional test blind, you need to go forward and say here's what that means here. here's what that process means. Uh, a quarter of prep students say that they've already finished this is the junior class, right? That's this now senior class, but this was back in the spring. A quarter of them said that they've already finished researching colleges. They've narrowed down their list of where they're applying. So for these students especially, you have to have that early recruitment. You have to get in front of them early. But if you try to find these students as a senior, you're way behind already. They already know where they're applying. They already know what they're going to do. Uh, we had the conflicted students. They said they were highly excited, but they also said they were highly anxious. So sort of this split. Uh, They're more likely to be first-generation students. They were also more likely than their peers to attend an urban public high school and say they had a GPA below a 3.0. What's a couple interesting um, demographic outliers here, almost a third of Korean students and almost half of native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander students said that they were conflicted. So a couple groups who said that they were very excited about college, but also very, very anxious. Uh, The last group here were our stress students stressed students are more likely to attend a public high school in the suburbs and they're least likely to be found in urban high schools Uh, interesting demographic outlier here Chinese students said that they were more likely to identify as stressed than any other persona and they were the only group for which an optimist wasn't the most common so that was an interesting one if you work with a lot of Chinese students something to think about Uh, stressed students were three times as likely to say that they have not started actively searching uh, which May be a root cause of their stress too. If they're junior year and they have not started, that's putting them behind some of their friends. Uh, only 75% said that they definitely will enroll in college immediately after graduation, and they were the most likely group to say they considered a gap year. So think about that as we're as we're going into the process. Uh, all these concerns and barriers, and this was really interesting, are in spite of the fact that they were more likely to say they had a GPA over a 4.0 than their peers. So these are high academic students. But at the same time we're hadn't started searching we're feeling stressed feeling worried uh, so so we can't just assume that our 4.0 plus students are just going to breeze through the process they need that support and nurturing as much as anybody now we get to the last stage we've attracted our inquiries we're going through the process of nurturing them providing relevant information now we need to yield so You need to think about your emails for upcoming deposit deadlines and mid student days. You know, how are we building this community and earning those deposits? You know, you can do that in bulk, but that's not gonna work for everyone. You know, this is where all that nurture work through the year and all that relationship building come together. You know, there's gonna be, of course, students who deposit and enroll with little to no communication, but they will have other relationships or other reasons for doing that, right? So some students are gonna need some incentive to go ahead and deposit. So think about how are you rewarding that commitment? 74% of students said that current students at a college are influencing their decision. That's a a big group. Majority there are saying that current college students influence their ultimate decision. So how are you bringing your current students and to engage with your applicants, with your accepted students? How are you making sure that your current students are helping build that affinity? When you're working with these students, these last stages as you're yielding, you need to think about what are those students' blockers? What might prevent them from enrolling? So here's a few questions that you might want to ask. You know, do you know when you'll make that final decision? You know, they might say, Well, I, I hope to have a decision soon, or I don't know. That should be a bit of a red flag. You know, if you don't know when you're going to have a decision, what information do you need? How do I help connect you with someone who can help you figure out if this is the right fit or not? What might stop you from enrolling is it financial is it distance is it programmatic is it family is there anything that you're looking forward to in a college that you don't think we have that's always a great one because you have students who might say well i was going to go to your college but you don't have x when in reality you they you do and they just didn't realize it they didn't see it they didn't find it uh you know and then of course you want to talk about have you and your family talked about how to plan and pay for college That's a big one. Again, start that conversation early, even though it's uncomfortable, have that conversation early where you can engage and talk about the payment process. You know, make sure they know how affordable you can be and whether or not it is a good fit. So on top of all of your print, all of your email, there has to be that personal touch. You have to have these one-on-one conversations. And I think it's key to know here, you cannot do more with less either. Um, this past spring, we did a survey of, of admissions leaders, and we asked them a number of things, but one of the questions we asked was, "How is staffing compare right now to a year ago? Are you up in staff? Are you down in staff? And then we also asked another question, where do your deposits sit? And there's an interesting correlation here. Uh, the, the colleges with more staffing were also much more likely to say they had more deposits. But then we look at the, the ones who said they were down in staff, almost 60% of them said they had fewer deposits. You know, I know this, we can't draw a one-to-one uh, uh, causation here, but, you know, looking at this, there's enough of a difference that I think it really highlights how important it is to retain and attract staff. You know, if you're constantly having staff turnover, I know one of the responses said they were down six counselors You know, how are you supposed to maintain the same level of relationships? How can you go out and build the same relationships with counselors, with students, with families, with that many fewer staff? You need to be thinking about how do we retain? It's likely not going to be salary, right? We know that admissions doesn't pay all that well. So what other things are you doing to make sure it's a good environment and people are engaged and ideally keep advocating for that salary, but making sure you're not constantly hiring? So I just want to emphasize it here, again here, how much these three stages look like the flywheel, right? You're growing, you're nurturing, you're engaging. You're, you're, nah, you're growing, you're nurturing, you're yielding. Uh, and ultimately that feeds back, right? You're happy students, bring them into the mix to engage with prospective students, to help bring more inquiries into your funnel. And ultimately that's going to continue growing your classes. Uh, You can find all the information from this uh, at niche.bz slash insights. That's a shortened link there. You can reach out to me with any questions after. We had a couple questions come in beforehand. Uh, We had some questions come in already. If you have questions, drop them in the chat. I know one of the things we get a lot, I addressed it at the very beginning, but I know we had quite a few people come in later. Uh, Yes, this is recorded. You'll be getting the recording and podcast version tomorrow. Uh, You can also find it in the Enrollment Insights podcast audio feed. Uh, So, We'll have all this, the slides, all that information. Uh, the first question we had in advance were tips for inquiry generation for graduate programs. Um, grad programs, we did a survey on that back in the spring as well. Uh, the, I mean, you have to go where the students are. You know, again, this is something I advocate across the board. Every single page of your website should have inquiry forms on it. That goes for every program page, every financial aid page, every extracurricular page. You need to think about How do we make sure anyone on your site can inquire? Outside of that, you need to think about where our grad students at? So Niche being the largest platform for for undergrad and grad search, we have people coming here and and requesting information about colleges. Um, Think about your ad campaigns, think about LinkedIn campaigns. You know, how are you engaging your alumni to go out and advocate for you and bring people back? So I think this is where those referral programs can come in really handy for grad as well grads a little bit different because there's not that one stop go to a high school and see but you know where they are in undergrad you know how to engage them there so go where the students are and have these same types of inquiry campaigns um second question we had come in early what's an effective way to contact inquiries the number one thing that i'm going to say is on your inquiry form even ask students how they want to be contacted you know do you want email first, text first, phone call first. That's going to be the best thing because that will be relevant to what that student wants. Overall, though, uh, when we've we've surveyed students and and here in another month, we'll have our big annual uh, senior enrollment survey coming out. Uh, The number one thing students say they want is email. That's the best way they say to contact them. Beyond that, mail was second, um, followed by text. Uh, Right now, though, it's interesting to note uh, that Phone calls are no longer the least desired contact. Video chats are. They do not want a video chat. That was even even worse to them than giving them a phone call. So the number one way to contact them, email, and make sure it's relevant to what they said matters to them. That's the big one I want to keep emphasizing. Speak to the majors. Speak to the extracurricular, Speak to what, says, what they're excited about, what they're worried about, uh, and then beyond that. Sending them relevant mail, relevant text messages, as long as they've opted in. uh, That's gonna be your best ways. Uh, I had a question about what I meant by swag boxes. Uh, So a swag box would be a um, program where basically a student could sign up or you have it tied to a complete application or to a deposit or to some other action where you're sending little bits of things to excite them. So maybe it's a pennant, uh, we've done socks, you know, it could be, Uh, you know, a a gift card to the campus store, just sending them little things that might engage them. Uh, Think about what can you send that would be Instagram or or TikTok worthy, uh, something you want to show off to their friends. Uh, These are the things that basically you're sending them free things to get them excited, to keep them engaged. Um, That's why I mean by a swag box. Uh, Let's see. What's the most effective way of opening communication with cross-interest prospects, including those who have never heard of our school? And the question of how we got their contact info. So, the cross-interest prospects—that's uh, something that we do here at Niche. So, if a student says and they have three options when they when they fill out their their profile, they can say, "I want to hear from no colleges," "I want to hear from only colleges that I add to my list and say I'm interested in," or I can hear from colleges similar to those. So if a student says, I want to hear from colleges uh, similar to the colleges that I'm adding to my list and that I'm interested in, uh, then that's where they would be that cross-interest prospect. Because you know they're interested in a college like yours. It's one of your competitors. Uh, the best way there is to address it directly and just say, hey, we know that you're interested in colleges like Niche University. Uh, you know, here's what we have that really helps us stand out from our peers. You know, have some of those, those um, general facts, but then invite the conversation. You know, invite them to fill out some supplemental information, invite them to, you know, have a two-way conversation, ask them about what they're excited about in a small college and a liberal arts college and a public college. You know, asking these things directly can help build that back and forth um, because that's going to be the first thing. They didn't come to you directly. They might not have heard of you, but it's something I saw a lot of success with. Working at a smaller college, uh, you know, being able to find students who are looking at colleges like us but hadn't heard of us yet. If we could go out and say, here's what is a strength similar to those colleges, but here's what sets us apart, that's what students reacted to. Uh, What's a good additional connector for non athletes? So think about what else they're interested in. So if a student says on either your inquiry form or a supplemental form, they're interested in painting you know, connect them to current students, faculty, of course, there. Uh, If they say that they're interested in volunteer service, connect them with the volunteer service organizations on campus. You know, it's easier sometimes on a smaller campus where you can just walk down the hall, walk across the building uh, and talk to someone. But no matter what size institution, I would hope that everyone on campus realizes that they are part of recruiting, right? You know, no matter what type of institution it is, everyone drives that experience. So think about what sort of liaisons do you have and make sure that they know sort of what the expectation is of, hey, you know, once a quarter, we would love for you to reach out with just some information about uh, about your programs. Is that something you could help us with? Or do you have some students who could reach out and talk about their experience? Uh, So think about those sorts of things. Uh, Overall, you'll get a good feeling for this when you talk to your student ambassadors or other students on campus and just generally ask them, about the experiences they've really loved on campus. And see, you know, what are the things that come up? If they talk a lot about your student activities, okay, great, have student activities contacts then reaching out to students and talk about their experiences. If they're talking a lot about, uh, you know, specific programs and their academic programs are their key focus, make sure that they're, you're connecting your perspective and inquiry students uh, to faculty, to current students, Uh, You know, if you have alumni who wants to get involved, make sure you can have alumni who will reach out as well and have some contact points that way. So think about what sort of things students might be interested in, what experiences set you apart, and then have those come into the picture. Uh, Are students more interested in national or regional rankings? They've never shown a big difference, honestly. You know, if you can tout that you're number one in the nation or number one in the state, The students tend to focus on that number, you know. So think about what are the top things that you can say that here's what we're great at. Um, You know, that's something that that focuses more for students. They want to be able to say that number one doesn't matter how how small of a puddle it is. Uh, So think about what can we really tout, and then focus there. And that's where you can use some of these rankings differently as well. So if a student, uh, you know, some things everyone's going to care about, like if they live on campus food, housing, things like that. They care about that. Uh, If you're talking about program specific, if you have a highly touted, um, you know, social work program, you'll want to share that to social work students, but sharing it out to students in general, not going to be that effective, right? Uh, My take on video emails. Uh, It depends on how they're done. Uh, I think it's one of those where if it's student voices, if it's short, if it's engaging, it can work. My, my concerns are, are they getting through spam filters? Are students actually clicking on them? Uh, so as much as anything, start out building some of these assets into landing pages, into your, basically across the site. Um, you know, you can have very personalized videos uh, about a specific program, about, you know, students talking about their financial aid process on financial aid, but you can also use landing pages. So if you have a highly targeted ad campaign, so let's say you're looking at just one city that you're targeting with ads, having a video on that landing page from students on campus who came from that city is a great way to right off the bat, engage those students. You wouldn't necessarily have to put that in an email. You know, you can direct them back to a landing page. And the great thing about that is you can remarket off that landing page then as well. You can have a supplemental form on that landing page as well. You don't have to try and jam everything into an email that may or may not get opened, may or may not get through a spam filter. And the other thing, too, with video emails, you have to think about how does it play on a phone, right? If it's super small, that can affect sometimes if you if you plan this video for a desktop screen, as often happens, uh, it's not going to have the same same impact there. It's something to certainly test. Uh, and see if if students approach it, or if it's something better used for grad or international or better used for parents or counselors. You, know, you, need, you need to test these things and see if they work the same everywhere. Well, I don't see any other questions coming in. Um, so I just wanna say thank you to everybody for joining today. I will be following up tomorrow with the slides, with the video, with the podcast version. Uh, my contact information's here on the screen. So if you have any questions you wanna follow up on, Just wanna chat, grab coffee or tea, happy to do that as well. I hope everyone has a great August here.